Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're You're about about to to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 120 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 19 through 21, where the mist is alive, Yusuke uses the deadly shoes on hands technique, and Yusuke watches TV to give himself life. Yeah, yeah, so if you really want to give yourself the best life possible, what you should do is you should watch 20 to 23.5 hours of TV a day, um, and if you do that in the right in the right way, you will have the best life possible. That That's um, what I do. Of, of somebody who, who has the best life, and that's that's how you do it. <laughs> that's me. Let's jump in. All right. <laughs> I also hey did the, the shoes on hands technique thing, and there's this video from Brad Neely with uh, Babyface where he talks about like wizards doing spells, and he talks about the hand the foot spell, and I wanted to say that, but I felt like it was too <laughs> much of a niche reference. So uh, yeah. go check out Brad Neely's comedy, and some of you will like it. <laughs> That's true. It is difficult to like. Um, Fuck you. It's speaking, great. <laughs> speaking of things that are uh, very intense this week, um, we just wanted to do a, a quick moment at the very beginning of the pod. Um, just really quick. There, are, There's been a lot of news in the United States as of late. Um, the killing of George Floyd has led to protest, unrest, police violence on an unprecedented level. Um, and as a comedy podcast about non-political media hosted by two white men we wanted to speak our support without speaking for or over the voices that need to be heard right now yeah so with that said we would like to give our support to black lives matter if you would like to find out ways that you can support black lives matter or if you would like to learn more about who exactly black lives matter is and what do they stand for? Please visit blacklivesmatter.com. Yeah. Okay. With that being said, uh, let's move forward to other uh, random things. There has uh, been anime news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, with with a couple of things coming up inside of the show, uh, first and foremost, we wanted to let people know about some exciting things. Um, so the first one is that, uh, we are officially ranked for the first time, uh, inside of one of the databases and it's the biggest one inside of Apple podcasts under animation and, uh, manga. We are ranked in the top 20, which is super exciting. Um, and, uh, I, I, I looked at it and I was just like, holy crap. Um, so that is uh, big, big news. Um, the second thing that we wanted to do on here is announce that, uh, we, we love the artists that did our new artwork. <laughs> it's so good. It's so yeah. good. It's so cute. Yeah. I want it as yeah. a sticker or maybe a shirt. I don't know. Yeah. So we wanted to do a, a really quick shout out to the fantastic artists who worked on our artwork. Um, if you want to find out more of their really badass work, you can find them at Galvasaur. Um, that's G-A-L-V-O-S-A-U-R. We also posted about it on Instagram and Twitter, so you can find it there. Um, the artwork is just great. Blake is a uh, uh, m- maybe a unnamed anime character from Naruto. <laughs> um, and I am also uh, cosplaying a Spike Spiegel in this. And uh, seeing myself inside of an anime version of, uh, of like, a little chibi anime version of this just makes me want to uh, immediately go as white guy Spike Spiegel next year to um, any anime convention that we go to. Because I'm just like, oh, I look so good in chibi form. <laughs> That'll surely translate to real life. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this art is very good. The artist, you should definitely check out their stuff. They have an Instagram. You can follow them and support them that way. But also, the uh, artwork, it wasn't very expensive. So if you're like, I really like what they did. I wonder if they could do that for me. They can, and it won't cost that much. Yeah, so uh, you should definitely go check them out. 
Um, the next thing that we want to go over is a super exciting uh, crossover episode that we're going to be doing. Uh, we have already train. recorded at this point. Huh? I was just being what excited. Oh, God. You're the worst. You Interrupting are. Interrupting my stream of thought with I'm your... I'm normal. <laughs> so, um, we, did a, we did a crossover episode. We've already recorded it at this point, um, and we're going to be dropping that after this episode, and that is with the Anime Out of Context podcast. They're great if you haven't listened to them before. Um, it, basically, the, the premise is uh, Sean explores sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, and always hilarious world of anime, and Remington tries to understand any of it. That's their tagline on their, their podcast. Um, and it's basically like what you would imagine it's one guy telling another guy about anime and them being like what the fuck are you watching (laughs) there's also a pretty fun part at the beginning where remington tries to guess what the anime is going to be about based off of the title and like the little information that he knows and i like that because i feel like anime lately anime titles have just been long sentences describing exactly what's happening but before that uh it's uh it could go a lot of different ways. And it's really interesting to hear how he goes about it. Um, I've, I have, I actually have only listened to the first episode in addition to the one that we listened. And I listened to it today and uh, their first episode is high quality. Like they definitely came in this with some experience or some good advice or something like that. Uh, it's, it's super worth listening to. Yeah. My first episode that I listened to of theirs, because I was trying to see if I ever wanted to watch this show, uh, was episode 99 of theirs, uh, called cells at work where they watch cell or one of them watches cells at work and then explains it. And that show is difficult to explain. And also it is as stupid as I thought it was going to be. It's, and I was just like, oh, I don't want to watch this show. Cells it sounds at work stupid. Is wild. It's like edutainment. But in an entertainment <laughs> sphere, it's if you don't know, Cells at Work is Japanese Osmosis Jones. It is an anthropomorphic anthropomorphization of the like blood cells and different things inside of your body, and then they go about their you know different stories from episode to episode, illustrating different things like here's what happens if you get the flu, here's what happens if you get a cut, stuff like that, and. They do it in the form of like these characters living in a society where they each kind of have specific roles because they are secretly blood cells that react naturally. Yeah. Um, And with us doing this crossover, they ask for a shout out uh, for what they should cover in the future. And we're going to throw it out there that they should watch a show that we've watched already called Dimension W. Because if you ever mention Dimension W to an anime fan, most of the time they say, what? And that should not be the response because that show is way better than it than than people give it credit for. Yeah, it did not get enough enough paid attention to. It should be watched, and it's only twelve episodes, so you know it's an easy thing to sink some time into. But yeah, like it's just I loved it, and I know you, Spencer, had a, a harder time with the way that it ended than I did. But both of us were really taken with it from the beginning and overall enjoyed our time with it. And it was only 12 episodes. It's good. Yeah, it's worth but, a watch. But to be fair, most of the reason I was frustrated with it was just because it was like it got wrapped up way too fast. Yeah. You and I was more. just like, Ugh. yeah, it's just it, it was one of those things where it was just like it. It obviously deserved to be a longer series and it got it got written into a corner that it couldn't get out of. Because I, I guess the funding was only set up for 12 episodes um, and they probably didn't get like, you know, in in TV, like the back nine. Um, so they were just like, OK, well, I guess we got to end it. <laughs> and done. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Blake's anime, Caring About News World, uh, Digimon's coming back. Well, yeah. I also, I actually want to start with something else that you might know about, but you kind of referenced it, and I didn't write it down because I thought I might remember it, which is usually foolish, but actually worked this time. Uh, and that is, uh, there's been some news this week, a lot of news about Netflix's live-action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop. And... I I have not heard about this yet. Oh, what, the, what, uh, what? It, tell me. I, what I can say is that the news has been uh, – it's it hasn't felt like, oh, I know a lot more about this production yet. 
But the news is flowing, and I think that's exciting because, uh, uh, one, the Cowboy Bebop live adaptation has been sort of a long time coming. It's one of those properties that feels like it works better for live action adaptation than most, Um, even though it's also so good that there's an argument to be made that it it transcends adaptation because you should just watch the thing. Um, So most of the news this week uh, has come out. Oh, also, it's important that we're getting news because... uh, Cowboy Bebop's production was delayed because of the coronavirus. It, oh, I like many that. other shows that were delayed, have recently started working again. But that was the second, I believe, delay to their production because the first one came when John Cho, the star, was injured on set. So yes. Cowboy Bebop has had something of a troubled or tumultuous production. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's because of the creative team or because of studio meddling or anything like that. It's just been... Uh, random uh, occurrences that you can't kind of plan for. So um, what we've seen is that uh, one Netflix released a behind the scenes video that is shot from the perspective of Ayn. And then it shows you Ayn and Ayn is of course an adorable little Corgi and it's very, very cute. And you also get to see um, you see, you get to see um, John Cho and then Mustafa. I don't remember his last name. And then I think Daniela is the name of the woman named playing Faye. And I also don't remember her last name. But they're all three in it uh, with, I think, the director, but maybe Vicious. I don't know. Uh, the fourth person I did not recognize. But they're they're kind of in the studio and they have this cute little video. There's also been some interviews with the, um, I think, the series... Uh, the showrunner, which if you don't know, the showrunner is basically the person who runs the writer's room. So a lot of television shows in America have a room full of people of varying sizes that write the show and different ones will kind of take point on different episodes. But the usually the person who created the show will be the showrunner. And so they are kind of the boss of the room. And many, many times, usually the scripts will go through the showrunner after the individual writer or writers have written their episodes so that the showrunner can tweak things. And their job is mainly to uh, make sure that the voice of the show is consistent. So like different writers are hitting, are making sure that these characters sound like they are all coming from the same place rather than, you know, having too much of an individualistic vibe from one episode to the other. Um, They are also the ones who kind of set out the goals for the season. So they'll come in on the first day and be like, I want season one to to end this way. Let's write towards that. Or I want these big events to occur. Let's find out how to work them in and they'll break that story. So the showrunner has done an interview where he talked about John Cho playing Spike Spiegel and said, of course, Spike is going to be played by an Asian person because we're not going to Scarlett Johansson that role. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, they uh they're they've also talked uh, explicitly and openly about how cowboy bebop is an important and sort of transformational piece of art and that they they're looking at cowboy bebop not as a template to use to jump off of but as something that they want to sort of lovingly craft around um what that says to me is not that they're trying to recreate episodes like they're not doing a Zack Snyder style shot for shot remake but they are trying to um, tell stories that are that you know. I guess to me, it seems almost like you could fit those story, you could animate those stories, and they would fit in with the original series um, or sort of alternate tellings of those those stories. And so they're basically they're trying to respect the source material in a deep way and stick to what has been established about these characters in this world, rather than. Um, wildly readapting it or kind of like bastardizing it. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, one of the quotes that came out of that is like, uh, Cowboy Bebop is playing us. We're not playing Cowboy Bebop. And so I think that uh, a lot of anime adaptation is pretty fraught, uh, either trying too much to be like the source material, but not being animated and not getting away with it. Um, or... Um, straying too far from the source material and feeling like either a bastardization or in the case of something like Dragon Ball Evolution being functionally unrecognizable. Um, yeah, or just one of the worst adaptations ever. Um, and it, it it only the only real rival it has to it is uh, 
Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm sorry, The Last Airbender. Right. Um, Because it's Avatar and it's not in the title. Yeah. His name is Ong, not Aang. I was just like, oh, God. Yeah, I didn't realize this until later, but they did that on purpose. Yeah, and it's bad. It is like. It's if something is so bad, Nickelodeon is like, I don't want you to use our name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there are a lot of good essays on why that movie failed, and uh, it's best ignored. But yeah, the uh, Cowboy Bebop crew, it's look, you know, the adaptation one, not everything works for everyone, and Cowboy Bebop is one of those things that is really precious to a lot of people. So there are going to be a lot of people who just can't get over the fact that it's being adapted at all. Uh, whether or not they want to, whether or not they give it a shot. There are going to be a lot of people who, for them, there is some aspect of the series that they don't feel like is there or is there in the right way. But um, the way to fail before you start is to throw out what makes the series good or what makes people love it. And uh, John Cho and the creator, who I unfortunately don't have his name in front of me, I don't remember it, but both of them are fans of Cowboy Bebop. They know the anime and they are doing this as a passion project. So that's a good place to start. And it could go either way, but they are setting themselves up to be more likely to succeed by approaching it with that attitude. Also, uh, the articles mentioned somewhat offhandedly that they are already working on scripts for season two. So I believe a season two has already been ordered. Yeah, and one of one of the 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 quick things that I saw on Twitter where people were just raging already was they posted on there that they were like, uh, and by the way, Faye's costume is going to be changed because a real human woman has to wear it. And I was just like, I got I, I have some thoughts about that. Uh, number one, a real human woman can wear what Faye is currently wearing. Go check out the many, many cosplays of her that have been done in the world. Um, I have seen many of them at conventions. Uh, number two, that's fine. Uh, costume choices can be changed inside of a world. And I, I get that in a world like this, they would be like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe just want to wear something that somebody might be comfortable in. But I'm just, I'm just saying like, don't, don't shame Faye y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, you know, that's one of those things where we'll see. I, uh, I think that Faye's, this comes up a lot in the X-Men with Emma Frost. She dresses really provocatively, but that's also part of her character. Faye's really similar. They're both women that use their sexuality and know what they're doing. Like, they know that they can distract people or get people to let their guard down if they dress in a provocative way because there are cultural associations with women dressing provocatively that suggests often unfairly that those women are not very smart or not very focused. And uh, men are easily distracted by visual stimuli. And so they're kind of doing a two-pronged attack on people's assumptions of them. And uh, getting their guards down. For Faye, that allows her to steal things. For Emma, that allows her to uh, manipulate people. Which I guess Faye yeah. does too, but in a different way. But uh, Yeah, and I mean, it's it's not like they didn't make a lot of different costume choices inside of the original Cowboy Bebop anime as well. Right. Like, if you want to see, there are many other different ways inside of that anime that women are dressed other than the way that Faye is. Faye is doing it for a reason. It's, I don't know, just, yeah, just she- a thought. She doesn't need to look exactly like her anime counterpart, uh, but she should be recognizable. And some of that will start with them understanding that part of Faye's character is seduction as a manipulation tactic um, and don't utilizing don't, that in her costume choosing. Uh, don't say also, you're going to use it. Don't say you're going to use it. My sexuality. My sexuality. Yeah. Also, it makes me think uh, uh, when I was at C2E2 this past year, um, or, or this year, sorry, Cur- current year, 2020, before we all realized that death lived among us. Uh, how did we not get sick? We were at C2E2 in February. So... Uh, <laughs> you could have gotten sick, but you were asymptomatic, Blake. That's true. Um, there I also a, got there was... really, really badly sick in February after my show, and I am suspicious. Um, yeah, just throwing it out there, y'all, that, like, there's... 
there was a a very interesting study that that I was I was reading um and I think I think it was put out um oh I cannot remember who put it out it was it was part of uh the um Associated Press Newswire um I am a, I'm a news nerd sometimes y'all um and I was I was reading on it and one of the articles was just like they they were interviewing um they were interviewing a bunch of people that are like TSA agents um and these TSA agents were all coming back with these like positive antibody tests um and they they were saying that they were basically not working inside of the airports um some of them since January and they were like yeah this this could have been going around the world since like December of last year so if there is a possibility if you were sick in the end of December into January or February you may have had it yeah, like, uh, my like entire just, family just got to be sick aware. after my parents traveled to see my show, and my parents almost never get sick, and I already had the flu earlier in the fall, and this was particularly bad. So I'm suspicious, but uh, I did not have, yeah. like, breathing issues or anything that, that kind of typifies that, so I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, we went to a panel at C2E2 for The Boys on Amazon, which is fantastic. Uh I did not I think I was going to like it based on the trailer. And I I uh, watched it because my husband said he thought I would like it. And then we went to this panel and goddamn, I could not put it down. I watched it in a 24-hour period, which, if you know me, is really unlike me. Okay, uh, I have mixed emotions about the boys. Let's discuss very quickly. Um, I think that it is a great show except for the MacGuffin. Uh, I think... I think the MacGuffin is too predictable. And this is just me. This is me using that, you know, like, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I don't want to give give anything away. Yes, it is too predictable. I also saw that coming, but I wasn't expecting how it played out. And my husband, Pete, did not see it coming at all and mentioned specifically how surprising that was. So I think you and I are, are... we do a lot of studying in the way that scripts are written and the way that films and television shows are put together and also have degrees in theater. So we might just be primed to notice that shit. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's like how, when the first transformers came out, I was in the prime demographic and now I only hate watch them. Uh, Well, if they were available on a streaming service, I already have. (laughs) Yeah. Um I I will say that I have had I've had a couple of conversations with people about uh completely unwatchable movies in my in my opinion and completely unwatchable series in my in my opinion and like one of one of those was uh the people people that are watching um oh gosh I I think it's it's not the great show which is Misfits. Um, but it's the it's the one about the the superhero teen squad that's uh, Hulu original. Runaways. Um, Runaways. I hate that show. Oh really? And I and I think the reason I hate it the most is because I can see them remembering lines yeah. and I can see the blocking and I was just like, oh god, the blocking is so so bad. It's just infuriating, and I've I've talked to a couple of people that are just like, I love that show, and I was like, yeah, but uh, hold on, let me let me see who I can else I can talk to, and I've talked to a couple of actor friends of mine that have worked on a lot of productions, and they're like, oh yeah, you can see it, it drives me crazy too, and I'm like, thank you. No, no group of people just stra- stands in a straight line, and another people in a straight line, and it forms a V where they're facing each other. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, it does when you're facing out. And no, they're cheating. Damn it, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the I I watched the first season. I really enjoyed it. I'm in the middle of the second season, and I'm enjoying it noticeably less, but still on the enjoyment spectrum. And uh, I intend to finish it at this point since it's only three seasons long. But I remember uh, I watched it with Steven, who's also a theater person. We both enjoyed it in the first season. But we also like picked it up in the first episode and we made it like a weekly event. So I think part of it was just like us enjoying like having a thing 
mm. and we we kind of made like a night of it. Um, and you know, it's got some good CW style drama to it, which uh, I definitely <laughs> enjoy, and Spencer does not. Um, but I, yeah, I, there are plenty of times where I'm like, that wasn't well acted, or yeah. uh, that is clearly like. It was like the setting gifted. up something really obviously rather than them moving like people move. Yeah, it's like it's like the gifted and how it, there's a lot of there's a lot of terrible acting and writing inside of it. Um, it's it's also it also makes me very, very frustrated that so many people have seen runaways and so many people have seen gifted and not that many people um, have have uh, have watched uh, preacher and not a lot of people have watched um oh god what's the what's the other one oh god um, well i was expecting you uh, to say legion legion yeah not a lot of people have seen legion and not a lot of people have seen preacher and i'm like those might be two of the best like comic book adaptation shows on tv right now preacher is fantastic it is what is it on super, i haven't, I haven't super seen it, but dirty I I and brutal it. yeah it's uh i think i think it's a fxx original it might so be amc it might be amc actually um it I mean, is definitely on, on hulu though or uh on one of the streaming services that we would not name of course whatever it's on hulu um anyways <laughs> it, watch preacher it's so so good it is very sacrilegious it is very brutal and it is very very dirty but it is very true to its source material um, there's, there's literally someone who has like an asshole on his face. Like it's, it's just, cool. it's just, just like the, a, the Greendale flag. <laughs> yes. Um, and if you would, if you want to watch something that's really trippy, but also fantastic, watch Legion. And I've said that many times and I will say it again, but that show is fantastic and it really gets you into his mind, which is one of the hardest things to do. Um, inside of a television show, especially a television show that it uh, apparently didn't have like the gigantic monumental budget that in comparison to some of the other shows that were put out, which makes it that much more amazing to watch. Um, and it just makes you so furious that it didn't get to put on a platform like Netflix or Amazon prime or something like that, where they just have just a crazy amount of money to throw at something like that. I just, Oh man, I just wanted it to have so much more money thrown into it. Like, yeah, uh, I don't know that this will surprise you, but I have seen both The Gifted and The Runaways, although I haven't finished either, and I have not seen any of Preacher or Legion. Well, get on it because although I, I do intend to watch Legion, I just haven't started it yet, and I'll I'll add Preacher to my list. Oh, and by the way, and more anime news that Blake is talking well, around. We're uh, still talking uh, about Cowboy Bebop. The point of all of this was I went to a boys uh, panel at C2E2 and um, the woman who plays uh, Wonder Woman, whoever, I don't remember her character's name, but the the Wonder Woman analog in the boys was talking about doing fight scenes in her costume and how it is so tight and restricting that she can't bend over when she's wearing it and how challenging it is to like learn the choreography for a fight and then try to do that fight in costume and uh, a question came up later that was like, what's the thing that you like that is the most challenging for you? And both her and I think the guy that plays the Superman analog and maybe another person on the panel all said the costume. So there might be something in that to the statement about Faye's costume in the live action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop of just how reasonable is it for her as a normal person that we need to be able to do stunts and shit to do all of that wearing these clothes. And that's the point I was trying to get to 18 hours ago. Whatever. Anyways, um, Blake is also uh, excited because Digimon Adventure is coming back. It's back. It's Um, actually, uh, we were going to record this before Sunday, but now it's after Sunday and you're not going to hear it before second Sunday anyway. So Digimon Adventure is back. They confirmed their return a week or two ago, along with a couple of other shows such as Netflix's Cowboy Bebop or the Pokemon anime that's going on right now. Um, A lot of studios are returning to work. Digimon is doing so as well. And because they were, were only three episodes into the series, 
um, at the time that they went on hiatus, they are uh, re-releasing those first three episodes. So the first episode re-premiered this Sunday, yesterday, June 7th. Uh, yesterday for us, a week ago for you guys, uh, a little bit less than a week ago, I guess, if you listen to this on the day it comes out. Um, if you're listening to it on the day it comes out, the second episode will be re-premiering this weekend on Sunday. Then the third, uh, I don't think it's been officially confirmed, but the fourth episode will follow thereafter. So um, that would be, I think, the end of June or, or the beginning of July would be the first new episode since the hiatus has come back. Uh, and uh, it's real good. You should watch it. If you like Digimon at all, you should check it out. It's available now on streaming service that doesn't pay for us. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the last piece of thing, uh, we we will have released this uh, this week. Um, we are dropping the, the new voting apparatus uh, this week to vote in uh, the new show from Soul uh, that is re- replacing Soul Eater. Um, so they, the suggestions so far um, have been Kill a Kill, uh, Avent- Avatar The Last Airbender, Irregular, Magic High School, and also one of the Fate series. Um, so we're going to uh, start voting on that as well as bringing back some of the other stuff to vote on as well as always having a write-in um, because it's not a true ballot unless it has a write-in. Um, but with that all being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump into Yu Hakusho. And uh, with all that being said, these episodes are light on stuff. Um, so let's... Uh, what what happened last time on Yu Hakusho? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, sorry, Rashad, it just started raining very heavily, so there's a little bit of background noise here. Um, All right, so Yu Yu Hakusho. It's a story about uh, a kid named Yusuke Yurameshi, who at the beginning of the series jumps into the street to save a kid uh, who went into the street to get their ball. Uh, From being hit by a truck, Yusuke saves the kid, but is hit by the truck instead and killed. Once he is killed, he finds out that he is now a spirit who has the opportunity to return to life because of the good deed that killed him. He goes through some trials and tribulations and is able to return to life. But now that he's alive again, he has developed the ability to see spiritual things and to use spiritual powers. Uh, He recently went on a mission to uh, defeat a demon and by defeating that demon become the protege of a great master of spiritual uh, abilities. He succeeded in that mission, and this episode is going to pick up six months after he went to go train. He is going to return much, much stronger than previously. Uh, He will be returning to his hometown where his uh, frenemy, Kuwabara, lives. Kuwabara is a kid from a rival gang who has always been antagonistic toward Yusuke, but because of their rivalry, has developed a sort of secret deep down affection for him. And they are, uh, they are the kinds of characters that are friends, even though they don't know it. Um, they have also met two demons, a guy named Hiei and a guy who is actually a half demon named Karama. Um, Hiei is your uh, dark, quiet, very proficient protag- uh, anime protagonists, kind of anti-hero type um, and has basically only shown up as a villain before this point. Kurama has shown up as a sympathetic villain. He did some stealing and allied himself with Hiei and another villainous demon uh, in order to uh, help out somebody that he loved. And so he was shown to have a good heart. Um, They have gone on this mission together, the four of them into a demonic realm because there are these four demon lords Uh, I think they're called the Four Saint Beasts, who are uh, threatening the human world if they are not released from their prison in the spiritual world. Um, Their threat is with these things called the Makai insects. They are spiritual insects, so normal people can't see them. They kind of exacerbate people who are prone to madness. It's a little bit like the villain in Soul Eater, actually. They're basically making people turn into crazy zombies and attack people around them and cause general mayhem. We're also going to find out in this episode that the flute that controls the Makai insects can direct those zombified people to do specific things. Um, There are some allies to Yusuke and his crew that are not on the mission with them, but that are relevant. One of those is a girl named Keiko. She is a girl that is in school with Yusuke. She is a normal girl 
with no abilities of her own, as far as I know. And uh, her big claim to fame is that she and Yusuke have a sort of long-standing uh, affection and attraction to each other. Um, and then Botan, who is the uh, emissary of the spirit world, who has been working with Yusuke on his previous missions, who is now in the human world clubbing people left and right to keep knock them unconscious so that they can't go on a Makai insect-inspired rage. And uh, she and Botan are going to meet up in this episode, I think, or maybe they've already met up and uh, they're going to have to deal with the villains themselves. Also, the four Saint Beasts, two of them have been taken out, two of them remain. Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and jump into episode 18. Um, this one is called Seriu, the Blue, the Blue Dragon. By the way, this is episode 18. As Blake said in the opening, we're starting with 19. That's wrong. We start with 18 this episode. You yeah. fool. Oh, yes, yeah. look at, you're just, oh, God, wow. correct that. Um, anyways, uh, that so this episode, <laughs> this episode number one <laughs> is going to give you this character, and you're going to be like, oh, man, this fight is going to be dope. <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> and you're just going to be like, okay, so Seryu is uh, this kind of oldish looking guy with kind of wacky hair. Um, he doesn't look like a demon at all, except for that his skin is a different color and he's wearing a, a super dope outfit. That's got a dragon that's surrounding it. Um, he's going to have this badass technique where he can shoot out of his fists, just like freezing, like waves of his energy um, that it frees, whatever gets hit by it. Also, um, when he shows up, they, he is preceded into the room by a, a cool mist, which uh, several of the characters remark is a living mist, and that's coming from him, and and uh, that's about the extent of it. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um, so, first we're going to see him just... Okay, so... <laughs> They're all in there and like, who's going to get into this fight? I'm not sure who's going to get into this fight. And then Biako comes back, who you remember was the big lion guy that could spit super powerful balls of energy. Um, and they're just like, oh they my God, will this guy, yeah, will this guy not die? All I could think about when he came in was just like Will Ferrell's character um, from, uh, oh God, what's it, Austin Powers, where he like falls down into the pit and they keep on burning him with fire and he's just like, I'm not dead, I'm just badly burned. <laughs> yeah, and so like he, he comes up and he's just like, you have to help me, sir, you just give me some power and I'll be able to deal with it. And so instead of actually helping him, he tells him that he is useless and weak and he freezes him and then breaks his head off. Um, and after his head falls off, um, Biako is just like, oh, why did you do that? And then my favorite part is like a little tear comes out of his eye. <laughs> <laughs> However, this is um, an important plot point because this is going to make Hiei be like, okay, if you kill your friends, I'm going to kill you. And he like, throws his cape over Biako's head and he's yeah, just Yusuke's like all right also let's fight. pissed but he is like no no he's mine you can take the next one <laughs> okay so then the fight begins um he jumps all around the room um and and he like gets one of his legs frozen because he gets, gets hit with a couple of the attacks in his leg um, but he is able to go for one final attack. He gets hit with a bunch of hits that start freezing his body, but he slashes, uh, Seryu a bunch of times. Um, and then the fight's over you guys, uh, yep. because he is like, the ice didn't really work on me. And also you're dead. And then he falls into a bunch of pieces and explodes. Yeah. Um, this is the, I win just because fight. And I would say it's a rare miss for Yu Yu Hakusho. Like Yeah, I wanted this fight to be way more than it was. Yeah, and up until this point, Yu Yu Hakusho has done a good job with all of its storytelling, but all of its fights have felt like events, and more than a few of them have been events that lasted for only an episode or even part of an episode. Like, it's not atypical at this point for us to expect that a fight will only last an episode but will still be good, and this one's just not... Like, what I think they're going for is that Hiei is so powerful 
that he is able to brush off these attacks and win in the blink of an eye. And that is cool on paper, but like narratively at this point, we already know that he is cool and we want to see how. And in this fight, he doesn't show it at all. Like he, he, the fight is step one, he dodges attacks. Step two, he is hit with attacks and slows down. Step three, Hiei reveals that the attacks don't affect him because, question mark. And step four, he slashes the guy so fast that nobody sees it. And the guy doesn't even know he's been slashed until like 45 seconds later. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those things inside of the show that is it's it's um, I think it's I think it's the the problem that happens every once in a while inside of um, really good action uh like really good action based movies um that that do badass fight scenes but do them wrong um and the problem with the them doing them uh where it is ended in a flash of light or it is ended in a flurry of fists coming together can best be exemplified um, by something that was said by Jackie Chan when he started talking about um, old samurai movies and old kung fu movies because the way that Jackie Chan decided that he wanted to make his movies and make them more interesting is that um, he talks about a thing that's happened in theater for a really long time, which is if you punch somebody in the face inside of a show, you stop or you swing past at the last moment and the audience member will blink. So Jackie Chan was just like, you're expecting people to blink in these moments. We want to show them the hit and the aftermath of the hit so that it shows all of the different aspects of the fight sequence. If if they happen too fast, it's just it's it number one just gets missed. It's like if somebody wafted the smell of cookies at you and you're like, by the way, it's just a candle. It's just like, no, I wanted at least one. Give me at least one fight sequence. This one was just like the wafting smell of a candle. It happened in an instant and then was over. It just was it's very frustrating for a show that is just extremely good in most other scenarios yeah it's been hit after hit up until this point maybe and this is this is a rare miss and it will we will move past it and things will get better i I wasn't crazy about the fight with uh what's his name in the next couple of episodes either but it was definitely returning to form but yeah the the jackie chan thing there's a good uh, video on youtube that i tried to look up but uh youtube doesn't want to work right now so um there's a really good uh, video on how jackie chan does fight sequences and one of the fascinating things about it is uh they they juxtapose his movies that he made in china versus his movies that he made in america and other action movies in america and it shows you that like action movies in america are like somebody will make a move and then the camera will cut before the move connects and it will basically cut to another angle with the other character reaction, reacting to the hit. So you'd never see the hit. You just get the impression that they hit each other. It's kind of like when Saturday morning cartoons weren't allowed to show characters hitting each other. And so they would just blank out the screen. And yeah. with I Jackie Chan, what, what blows the mind is that he would actually show the hit twice. So you would see them punch and then it would cut to the punch again. And it was like, you'll see them hit twice because the first hit takes you by surprise and the second hit makes you feel it. Yeah, and the first hit you normally either look away or you blink because people don't like to see that violence come into play. Um, And so if you want to, like, make it resonate, you put it like that. And it's it's, it's just a fascinating thing to do. Anyways... Um, that, uh, takes us to the end of the episode where they're just like, hey, you're a badass. Um, and then it is revealed, uh, that the, the lead of the Saint Beast, the leader of the Saint Beast also has a super annoying bird. Yeah, um, I did not her, like the voice acting on this. <laughs> yeah. Her name is Marugu and she is obnoxious. Uh, yeah. she is going to be like, oh, by the way, um, this girl that, uh, Yusuke is in love with is his weakness. And that takes us into episode 19. Um, episode 19 is called Suzaku, Leader of the Beasts. And uh, I'm going to throw it out there that episode 20 and 21 are going to follow up on this because, yep. uh, yeah. 
Um, so episode 20 is uh, Seven Ways to Die. Um, and then episode 21 is Yusuke's Sacrifice. So let's just uh, let's take a brief moment to go and figure out what's happening in the world right now. Um, first and foremost, uh, Keiko is running away um, from these horrible people that are possessed by these monster bugs. Um, and, uh, we are going to get Botan who is coming to help and just beating the ever living hell out of people with baseball bats. Um, she is, she is really just knocking it out of the park. Um, but anyways, uh, Keiko and, uh, 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 Keiko is going to be trapped eventually and they are almost going to be killed. And that's basically all you need to know about them. Um, you're going to see a lot of sequences where they're running and they're running and they're running and they're running. Oh my God. And they're just like scared and they're also running. They are right. They're perpetually running, hiding or fighting. And it's not, it's just not a lot. I don't know. It felt a little fillery because it was just like, it felt less like a sequence that was moving along on its own and more like the thing we cut to when we needed to have a cut in the fight that we were actually watching. Uh, and it's like, it's just, it, uh, this kind of harkens back to what we were saying earlier about how Spencer and I maybe notice these things more than other people, but like, it's pretty transparently just a device to heighten the tension. Yeah. Um, Weirdly, Suzaku is going to also use this device, huh? Yeah, it. I mean, it, it works sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So Suzaku knows that Keiko is uh, Yusuke's weakness because Marugu, the annoying bird, told him, and uh, so he's going to set up a TV in his room, a big screen <laughs> to show what's happening with Keiko. And I guess it's showing from the perspective of his zombie slaves what it's actually doing. And what happens so many times in media is that it's showing us the shots of what's happening (laughs) rather than like a reasonable expectation of some sort of camera or, uh, you know, point of view hijacking. Like it's spirit powers. Um, So sometimes we see things and I'm like, how does he know that? What? Blake, it's spirit powers. It's spirit powers, Blake. That's how it works. Spirit powers. Look, they're well, watching the reason... a TV on a gigantic m- magic mirror on the wall. <laughs> That's true. The The reason it stands out to me is because at some point there's going to be a she's dead fake out. And uh, it's because they hid in a closet, except they didn't actually hide in the closet. They just trapped her scarf in the closed doors of the closet to make it look like she hid in there. And when the zombies break into the room, they stab the closet with mop handles and stuff. And everyone thinks that Keiko and Botan have been killed. And we saw on Suzaku's TV, them getting into the closet. And then later Suzaku was surprised when they're still alive. So it is not clear what they're actually seeing because what we're seeing on the TV is shots from this episode. Yeah. Plot-based camera angles in spirit world. Anyways, um, so Suzaku and Yusuke um, don't have their fight already because first they need to come up with a MacGuffin to keep the rest of the characters away from this fight because Hiei has just showed that he's so powerful. He can kill everybody immediately on contact. So we have to keep him down low. And so the way that they do this is by, uh, putting a whole bunch of zombie plant people in front of uh, the the characters that they can't fight through fast enough, and uh, they know that Keiko is in trouble, so Yusuke has to jump off of their back so that he can go into the tower first and go fight against Suzaku. They do that. We're going to cut to a bunch of times where they're trying to fight their way up the stairs. Uh, they're never going to make yeah. it up the stairs in time, by this the way. This is also uh, tension rising So don't worry filler. about them. Yeah, the uh, there was a nice moment with Hiei, and uh, Yusuke makes a comment after his fight with um, with uh, Seiryu, where he's like, oh man, when we have our rematch, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take you if you have moves like that. And Hiei kind of doesn't say anything, and Kurama's like, Hiei's having a hard time because he's starting to like you. 
and he doesn't know how to feel about it. And that's cute, and it's also relatively important because it's my understanding that they remain allies for the remainder of the series. Yeah, we'll we'll find out more about that later. Um, yeah. So this fight is going to start off pretty quickly. Um, Yusuke is going to waste no time and just be like, shoot a bullet of spirit at you when you jump into the air. Um, and uh, he is going to knock it off with one hand. Um, we are going to find out later that it actually clipped his little weird antenna thing that is just yeah, part of I his hate hair. This. <laughs> uh that's gonna be relatively important later um this is the it, solution it, to the fight and also a huge plot hole i know um anyways uh the other thing that is going to be revealed is that suzaku has two abilities first ability uh-huh. i can shoot lightning things at you that make you hurt real bad but don't actually kill you that is Although what he's I gonna think use it's because he's holding back yeah so Yusuke's going to get hit by this and just be like, oh, God, it hurts. <laughs> but then he's going to be like, like, okay. Oh, he says, oh, God, it hurts. And I'm not no. going to do it again. Um, anyways, um, so Susaku is then going to be like, okay, this is a lightning technique and sort of give stuff away. So Yusuke is just like, I'm going to put my shoes on my hands. And Suzaku. so Suzaku's... It, like it, that's not gonna stop it. It's not real lightning, you moron! And he sh- he goes to shoot him again. But it turns out that what he was really doing was hiding the fact that he was powering up the spirit attack inside of his hands. And he gets close enough to Suzaku to shoot Suzaku and punch him. Um, and he knocks Suzaku back, and Suzaku has to use his second ability. Yeah, his second ability is uh, Shadow Clone No Jutsu. Oh my um, god! As soon as he did it, I was just like, "Oh god!" <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. The I think Naruto gets away with this because Naruto is the protagonist and is doing interesting things when he uses Shadow Clone Nujutsu. And you know, there's an episode of Hunter X Hunter where the guy his ability is to create a clone of himself. Like cloning yourself can be an interesting ability, and it just doesn't work for me here. Um, yeah. Suzaku Why turns does his ability into... turn into a lightning arrow? I never understood that in this thing. I'm like, before he shot it out of his hand, like a like a like the same sort of attack that Yusuke has, but now he's like, it's an arrow instead because I guess that looks cool, cooler. I just... Yeah, he, well, he also, his first time he shoots him, it's be, he, he basically calls lightning down from the sky through the hole made by Yusuke's earlier attack. Yeah, and, and that's really cool. It. But then later he just shoots lightning himself. So I think that was just for show. Um, And so, yeah, Suzaku's Shadow Clone Jutsu, which is not literally what it's called, but that's what it is. Uh, And it's way more powerful than Shadow Clone Jutsu, by the way. It's way stronger. Yeah. 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 He splits himself into seven uh, different equivalent Suzaku clones. And uh, from what we can tell, they are all equal to one normal Suzaku, which begs the question, why doesn't he do this always? He can literally just power himself up <laughs> time seven at any moment. Like I know this is I, wild. Okay. So here's the other thing about this Suzaku is that he says they can all operate independently. And I'm like, yeah. that doesn't really look like that's what's happening because this it looks a real like Jamie Madrox situation you got on your hands. <laughs> Yeah, they're really they're really moving at the same time, jumping around like uh, a whole bunch of synchronized swimmers. Well, we're not going to um, animate and, seven different movements. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they're going to jump up into the air and shoot Yusuke. Yusuke's going to be able to block some, but not all. Um, he's going to eventually uh, knock all of them uh, to the ground with his shotgun blast. Um, he he. He finds his finds his additional power when he thinks back about how mean Genkai was to him. <laughs> yeah, she literally contacts him psychically. Yeah, Genkai is just like, remember, don't be an idiot, and he's just like, shut up, Genkai. <laughs> this also happens at the point. So this happens exactly when it seems that Keiko and Botan have been killed, and Yusuke is demoralized, and Susaku is gloating and is preparing to kill him. And Genkai, uh, who is Yusuke's teacher that he just finished training with, contacts him psychically from far away from both Yusuke and Keiko to be like, she's obviously still alive. You're an idiot. 
stop acting like this. I'm yeah. like, damn girl, what? How much can you see? Are you? Is this some Santa Claus shit? Like, what's happening? Ginkai, the sand, uh, the Santa Claus of this world. She sees you <laughs> she when you're sees sleeping. You when she you're sees sleeping. you when you're awake. She <laughs> probably sees when you do things that you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't. Man, Ginkai's real gross in this scenario. And so also, is Santa. So is Santa. <laughs> Santa has some serious boundary issues. Yeah, anyways, um, so uh, it turns out this ability uh, after um, after Suzaku gets hit is insanely powerful because the other thing that he can do is reabsorb himself after he was split into seven into one form, and that form can regenerate, and then, with no downtime, he can then re-separate himself again and still have as much power. Yeah, this which is, is the just... Cauldron's Familiar Witch's Oven bullshit combo. Yeah, it's just ridiculously powerful. It's like, the only thing that ends up stopping him is, number one, he realizes that he hasn't been able to hit him correctly the whole time because his antenna's been cracked, and he just noticed now um, because they Hate needed it. a MacGuffin. Um, and then uh, Yusuke decides that he really really needs to go all out and so what he does is he throws away his life energy um and basically kills himself so that he can defeat suzaku um which he ends up doing um with one final blast yeah, um is, that just is like a little bit of an asshole, a little bit of deus ex machina a little bit of all that but it it fits well enough within the established character and the sort of recent narrative that i think it works when a lot of the times this trope doesn't yeah and i also enjoy that they they show suzaku losing but they also show that real obnoxious bird just getting completely obliterated um so that also happens Um, there was a part earlier where suzaku seemed to be defeated and yusuke was like taunting the bird and i was like just kill it just kill the bird (laughs) (laughs) oh by the way uh the the uh, Mugai whistle or whatever is called is broken as well. Um, that's important to know. Um, yeah, then it breaks and Yusuke... all the zombies on Earth immediately drop. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, the the guys have fought their way up the stairs and uh, they're like, well, I guess Yusuke is dead. Except for Kuobara, who's just like, nah, I'm going to give him some of my power. And he uses his powers uh, to give some of his life force to Yusuke. And they're like, you're giving away years of your life. And he's just like, it's worth it. And I was just like, man, he loves him. Karama specifically is like, you're injured. So you don't have as much control as you would. And also you're giving away your life energy now might put you to death quicker and easier than you might otherwise think. Uh, so you shouldn't do this because you will probably kill yourself and not revive Yusuke and Kuwabara has none of it. And, uh, you know, luckily it works out. Also, Kuwabara somehow gets them to play a horrible joke on Yusuke. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> Yusuke wakes up three days later and Kuwabara is in the room and Yusuke is like, how is everyone else? Specifically, how is Keiko? And Kuwabara is stone-faced, looking down and away, and says nothing. And Yusuke obviously infers that they are dead. And then she... Oh, and Kurama's in there. And Kurama's a really nice, honest person. And then Keiko bursts in, scaring Yusuke. And she went along with it, because I guess sometimes she's mischievous, which I think checks out. But Kurama, I don't think he would do this. Why I think he, he would just be like he was like he was like do you understand who I am I am someone who sacrificed my life for my adopted daughter I mean my adopted mother inside of this world and you're gonna play this messed up fucking joke on him this is this fucked. is this is so messed up anyways that's anyway, how that's these episodes the end, end. <laughs> <laughs> um everybody is laughing and that's the end of this arc with yeah. the spirit beasts these uh, were the worst yu yu Hakusho episodes so far and unfortunately were worse than the first part of this arc which we covered in our last yu yu Hakusho episode and maybe you won't feel that way but they just didn't work for me and i don't think they're bad 
I just think they're missing the things that the show usually has and the things that I usually like. Yeah. Anyways, uh, join us after the credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next time. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English. He's our level 10 sound wizard. Level 10? That's a lot of new levels. Well, he's been out in the waste grinding and killing low-level monsters to level up. That checks out. Our podcast is ad-free. And if you want to keep it that way, too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week on your favorite podcast platform. And hey, thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're doing our crossover episodes with Anime Out of Context. We're going to watch an anime movie on an unnamed streaming service, and it's called Mary's Marie's Delivery Service. It's, 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 called, it's called Downton Caddy. <laughs> um, it's called, That's what it's called. <laughs> it's called As British As It Gets. It's violently British. <laughs> That's all, meow.